from NPR and WNYC, live from the Bell House in beautiful Brooklyn, New York, it's NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. Ask me another. Here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Cecil. Eight lucky contestants are here to play our nerdy games, but only one will win our Ask Me Another prize, which is provided by our VIP guest. And this guy is a distinguished actor who you've seen in Garden State and in Education, many films. In his new film, Experimenter, he plays Stanley Milgram, a psychologist who conducted these experiments in the 60s where subjects delivered electric shocks to strangers just because an authority figure told them to. (laughs) Now today, Stanley Milgram wouldn't be a social psychologist studying the reasons behind human cruelty. He would be a visionary, a top television producer, and creator of a hit reality series called Shocking with the Stars. (laughs) We'll be talking about this and more with the actor that plays him in this new movie, because our VIP is Peter Sarsgaard. Our first game is called Edit, Please, and here to play it are Melissa Aragon and Tatiana Gershkovich. Tatiana, if you could edit out any part of your life, what would you choose? I came to the U.S. from Russia for last year of high school. Just the last year. And that's just not fun. Yeah. It's hard to fit in at the very end, right? If you have an accent. Oh, yeah. It was rough. I assume it's gotten better ever since. Absolutely. Okay, Melissa, how about you? I had a really bad haircut in first grade. (laughs) I like that everything after that has been smooth sailing. You know, once you get past that, you really, you can't turn around, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's all good after that. Okay, so as you know, even the best writers benefit from an editor who knows how to cut down words, and we are about to prove that using the titles of some well-known television shows. So we are going to give you an overly written, way too literal version of a television show's title, and you just have to provide the simpler, actual name of the show. So for an example, let's go to our special guest puzzle guru. You know him as the voice of the popular podcast, Welcome to Night Vale, Cecil Baldwin. So if I said, oh, I love that show, The Benevolent Female Spouse, you would say The Good Wife. So ring in when you know the television series, and of course our winner will move on to our final round at the end of the show. Here we go. The books in which those who suck blood keep a daily record of their experiences. Tatiana. Vampire Diaries. Exactly correct. 144 divided by six. Melissa. Is it 24? It is 24. (laughs) I know. I know, we're fancy here. We could have said six times four, but no, no, no. We are very clever with our math. You are correct. Tarzan's partner who has never had intercourse. Tatiana. Jane the Virgin. Jane the Virgin, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Village full of large American wild cats with plain, tawny, grayish coats. Tatiana. Cougar Town. Cougar Town! (laughs) Adjusted the printed words on a page so that the edges form a straight line. Tatiana. Justified? Yes! Wow. Yeah! If only that was what the show was about. About typographers. Just like, yeah. That kerning episode. Oh, yeah. That was. Where they really get to the bottom of why you put TK in manuscripts. Yeah, exactly. One of them's always. We don't know. (laughs) The part of an animal's body used for flying in the general direction of sunset. Melissa. West Wing. Exactly. 
That's pretty accurate, actually. <laughs> Do you think that? That's all that show was about, right? It's just birds. It's just birds circling. For hours. Doing the... Uh, By Aaron Sorkin. The hop and chirp. So it's really snappy birds. <laughs> really smart yeah. acerbic birds. <laughs> all right, this is your last clue. Pieces of hard, whitish tissue comprising the skeleton in humans and other vertebrates. Melissa. Bones. Bones! That's right. Special puzzle guru, Cecil Baldwin. How did our contestants do? They both did excellent, but Tatiana, well done. We will see you in our final round at the end of the show. Our next game is called Myth Conception, and here to play it are Tim Kennecke and Stephen Giordano. All right, Tim audits insurance companies. That is absolutely correct. <laughs> okay, good. The way you said your answer makes me know it's correct. <laughs> and Stephen is an actuary. Yes. You guys are both numbers people. You like things that probably have definitive answers. Of course. Yes. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Just, you both scared me for a minute there. <laughs> All right, so what is in your lifetime one myth or false thing that you believed in and then found out later, no, you were wrong. You were led down the wrong path of not factual information. Tim? Back when I was about, I don't know, five to ten years old, I thought that every time a Disney movie got popped in, that there were actual people talking through the TV at me. Oh, <laughs> that's just innocence and imagination. And then it was squashed, wasn't it? Horribly. Yeah, yeah. and you were like, never again. Never Numbers again. won't lie to me. <laughs> How about you, Stephen? I probably believed pro wrestling was real way longer than any <laughs> rational. <laughs> Who didn't? Do you still watch pro wrestling? Not as much. Wow. I still watch Disney movies for the... For the you record. do? Yeah. All right, well, this game is all about getting things wrong. We are going to dissect an urban legend or misconception, and you have to figure out what we are talking about. For example, Cecil, if I said it is a common medical misconception and myth that people only use 10% of what organ, what would you say? My liver. <laughs> you got to really work on that. I'm really working on like 7 to 10% right now. Oh, really? That's yeah. something you could work on as time goes on? Cocktail, please. <laughs> That is a possibility. Actually, we were talking about the brain. The brain. Yes. Yeah, because the truth is you use 0%. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's all liver. It's all liver. We hope that you'll be using more than 0% in this next game. Are you ready? Yes. Yep. Great. There is no evidence that the seafaring Nordic raiders ever wore helmets with horns attached. Steven. Vikings. Correct. Yes. It was like a costume designer who decided to do it for uh, Wagner's ring cycle. Yeah, just made it up. And then everyone was like, yeah, that makes sense. True. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. We're going with that. Yeah, exactly. They did not wear top hats. <laughs> they wore these horns. These animals don't see red when they're angry because they're colorblind. They're really riled up by the motion of the cape. Tim? Balls? That is correct. <laughs> yes. All right, according to legend, these cream-filled golden snack cakes have an infinite shelf life. No, according to Hostess, just 45 days. Tim. Twinkies? Yeah, that's right. My mom would kill me if I got that one wrong. <laughs> Why? Uh, she made us Twinkie birthday cakes every now and then. <gasps> oh, like... Oh, stop. She would line them all up in, like, circles? Make a little, little pyramid out of them, throw some candles on top. Wow. <laughs> That sounds amazing. I do love the idea that Hostess was like, no, not forever, 45 days. That's, <laughs> that's insane. You know, you need that emergency Twinkie like a month later. <laughs> You're like, like wait. oh, wait, I have one in my bag. Yes. <laughs> Day 46. Uh -huh. What do you think, everybody? <laughs> Should I do it? <laughs> Day 46, it turns into a ho-ho. It just yeah, changes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A staged scene in a 1958 wildlife film helped establish the popular but erroneous belief that these small rodents run off cliffs in mass suicides. 
Uh, Tim. Lemmings. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Also not true. My mom made birthday cakes out of those as well. <laughs> well, this great scientist did earn the name Peanut Man for his more than 300 peanut-based products. He did not actually invent peanut butter, as it is often claimed. Stephen. George Washington Carver. Absolutely George Washington Carver. These structures in ancient Roman buildings were passageways, not rooms for puking in. Uh, Tim. The vomit room. <laughs> That's excellent. But we sure. Need... <laughs> what, is, what is the Latin name for that? Vomitorium. Yes. Yeah. I like that you just went with the vomit room. Nobody speaks Latin anymore. <laughs> It's a dead language. Oh, so you were translating it for the rest of us? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think that a lot of people in the room would speak Latin. More people would speak English. <laughs> you don't know anything about a public radio audience, do you? <laughs> All right, this is your last clue. Despite their stereotypical depiction in drab black and white outfits, these 1620s settlers wore colorful clothes and did not have buckles on their hats. Tim. Uh, Pilgrims. Pilgrims is correct. Absolutely. All right, Cecil Baldwin, puzzle guru. How did our contestants do? They both did great, but Tim, well done. We're going to see you in our final round at the end of the show. Thank you. Coming up, we're going to don some pearls and join the upper crust with our guest house musician, Julian Villard, and we'll go deep inside a New York City holiday institution that is full of hot air. So stick around. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is NPR's Ask Me Another. Support for Ask Me Another comes from TIAA CREF, a financial services company dedicated to helping clients achieve lifelong financial well-being. An award-winning global asset manager, TIAA CREF, was founded nearly a century ago to serve those who serve others in the academic, medical, cultural, governmental, and research fields. Its investment model and long-term approach are aimed at delivering outcomes that benefit clients. TIAA CREF, created to serve and built to perform at TIAA.org. TIAA CREF Individual and Institutional Services, LLC. Thanks for listening to Ask Me Another. NPR's brand new politics podcast is where NPR's political reporters talk to you like they talk to each other. With weekly roundups, short takes on news, and reporting from every stop on the campaign trail, you don't have to keep up with politics to know what's happening this election year. You just have to keep up with them. Listen and subscribe to the NPR Politics Podcast at npr.org slash podcasts and on the NPR One app. You're listening to Ask Me Another from NPR and WNYC. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and with me is our special puzzle guru, the voice of Welcome to Night Vale, Cecil Baldwin. And our next game is called Preppy, and here to play it are Emily Walker and Nicholas Morello. What lunch table did you sit at when you were in high school? I would say more studious. I went to an all-male Jesuit high school, so okay. we, didn't, we didn't have as many cliques or have to worry about, you know, girls and all that stuff. So. <laughs> didn't have to worry about girls. So no. we, we just we were a little more focused, a little more studious, and just, just sat with friends. So, it, wasn't, it wasn't too clicky. It wasn't, yeah. yeah. Sounds like Canada. Yeah. <laughs> um, Emily, how about you? Oh, I was definitely a theater nerd. Like, oh, through and yeah. Through. Well, you are going to love this next game because it's a musical game, and we are delighted to have back as our guest house musician, Julian Villard. <laughs> All right, what are, we, what are we doing? So we've rewritten the Pharrell Williams song, Happy, to be about people, places, and things associated with the preppy lifestyle. You have to tell me what I'm singing about, and the winner will move on to our final round at the end of the show. And uh, 
we've actually got a little bit of audience participation in this song. You know, instead of, because I'm happy, I need you guys to go, because I'm preppy. Can you do it with me? Because I'm preppy. Right. But don't do it yet. I'll let you know when you do it. All right? Okay, here we go. It might seem crazy I got into Yale. But I chose the school on the Ivy Trail. It's in lovely New Jersey, it was all male. Pushing back, orange and black, tigers will prevail. Nick. Princeton. Princeton is exactly correct. You, got, you guys ready? Yeah. Because I'm preppy. Nice. All right, here we go. Because stroke along if you feel like your arms are feeling swell. Stroke along if you're seated properly in the shell. Stroke along if the coxswain orders it with the yell. Stroke along, that's the way to make this here boat propel. <laughs> Nick. Crew. Crew is correct. Rowing or crew, that is right. Hey man, nice suit. Strike a classic pose. Every guy on Mad Men wore these clothes. They're based in Manhattan, everyone knows. Many presidents went with these pros. Emily. Uh... Brooks Brothers? Yes! Oh. Yeah. It's just the coolest Brooks Brothers has ever sounded, so <laughs> you got confused, right? Obviously. Yeah, but you were right. Because I try them on if you feel like a leather shoe to wear. Try them on, got no laces, slide your feet in with care. Try them on, Michael Jackson wore them with lots of flair. Try them on at a scent if there ain't no tassels there. Emily. Loafers. Correct. I love a loafer. Stick it up. I always stick it. Stick it up, my polo shirt neck. Stick it up, I always stick it. Stick it up, I said. Nick. Collar. Yeah, I think we're right, Puzzle Guru. Yeah. Pop collar. Yeah, pop collar. Pop collar, collar. Yeah. yeah. Going with that. Did you ever do that? <laughs> we had a dress code. That was that was out of oh, dress yeah. code, so we we couldn't do that. The Jesuits don't pop their collars. They do not. No. no. Because I'm cook along if you feel like some fresh homemade cuisine. Craft along if you feel like I'm the domestic queen. A cook along when I went to jail, I was off your screen. Craft along, it's a good thing, so says my magazine. Emily. Paula Dean. Oh no! No, it's the, oh, it's the other. Martha Stewart. Nick stole yeah. that one yeah. with Martha yeah. Stewart. The other one that did something bad. <laughs> 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 All right. Cecil Baldwin, how did our contestants do? They both did great, but Nick, well done. We're going to see you in the final round. <laughs> Let's welcome our next two contestants, Rachel Rosenberg and Ben Corman. Okay, so this game is called Based on a True Story. So I first asked you, what television series or movie do you wish was based on your life when you watched it? 
It's gotta Rachel. be friends. Friends? You wish friends was your real life? I gotta be the Rachel. Uh, oh, yeah, right. Of course. I'm sure you got that. And She can pull off any hairstyle. Yep. I don't know about me, but I'll take it. <laughs> okay. Her life. Very good. Ben, how about you? Uh, well, if, uh, movies. I guess uh, The NeverEnding Story. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Oh, and, and why for you? Uh, because I never die. It doesn't end. Aww. That's so... F- we feel so differently about life. <laughs> <laughs> but that is lovely, both of you. So in a little while, we're going to talk to Peter Sarsgaard about his new film, Experimenter, which is based on some amazing psychological experiments conducted in the 60s. And it made us think about other films that are based on real-life events, which then we magically made into a game. Okay, for example, Julian, which of these music films is based on a true story? The Commitments, This is Spinal Tap, or Almost Famous? This is Spinal Tap is so great that I want it to be real. But the answer is Almost Famous. Correct. Yes. So ring in when you know the answer, but if you get it wrong, your opponent can steal. And then the winner will move on to our final round at the end of the show. Take it away, Cecil. Amityville Horror. Newlyweds move into a Long Island house and experience strange occurrences. Friday the 13th, a killer in a hockey mask stalks a group of camp counselors. Or Saw, two men are chained together in a dilapidated bathroom by a serial killer. Uh, Rachel. Amityville Horror. That is correct. Stripes. A dissatisfied cab driver and his pal join the army. Private Benjamin, a young woman, joins the army after her husband dies on their wedding night. A few good men, a military lawyer, defends Marines accused of murder. Ben. A few good men. Yes! That is correct. Jaws, a great white shark, terrorizes a resort community. Open water, two scuba divers are stranded in shark-infested waters after their tour boat leaves. Or Life of Pi, a boy experiences an epic journey while stranded on a lifeboat. That is Rachel. Open water. That is correct. Yeah. Not as fun of a theme park, open water. Jaws is much better. Jaws. A lot of people think the shark's name is Jaws. Isn't that cute? Like it's old yeller or something like that? (laughs) All right, Mildred Pierce, the story of a hard-working, long-suffering mother and her spoiled daughter. Mary Riley, a housemaid, works in the home of a doctor and his alter ego. Or Aaron Brockovich, a single mother, brings down a California power company accused of polluting the water supply. Ben. Aaron Brockovich. Absolutely correct, Aaron Brockovich. And you know it's a real story because if it was Hollywood, they would change that name. (laughs) Hustle and Flow, a Memphis pimp aspires to be a rapper. Boys in the Hood, the story of three teenage boys living in the Crenshaw area of Los Angeles. Or Straight Outta Compton follows the rise and fall of an 80s hip-hop group from Southern California. Ben. Straight Outta Compton. That is correct. All right, this is your last question. Cool Runnings, the story of the Jamaican national bobsled team. Blades of Glory, two rival Olympic ice skaters who are banned from the singles competition return as a pairs team. Or The Mighty Ducks, a hotshot lawyer, is sentenced to community service coaching a losing peewee hockey team. Ben. Cool Runnings. Yes! I feel like the similarity between those three is that they all involve being high uh, <laughs> on some level. All right, puzzle guru, Cecil Baldwin. How did our contestants do? They both did great, but Ben, well done. We're going to see you again in the final round. Fact or fiction, you belong as a contestant on Ask Me Another. If you would like to make that a true story, just go to amatickets.org, fill out our contestants' quiz, and we'll announce the nominees.
right, everybody, it's time for a new segment we're calling Meet the Expert. Please welcome to the Ask Me Another stage the executive producer of the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, Amy Kuhl. It is great to be here. I'm so used to your voice echoing over, over all the speakers in my house, but seeing you live, this is Aww. awesome. Amy, how many years have you been working at the parade as the executive producer? Uh, as executive producer, this is my seventh year, but actually this is my 20th parade. Whoa! Started when I was seven. Yeah, I was going to say. I want to fit in with everybody here. And you are the first person out, like you start the parade. I start the parade. Al and I uh, cut the ribbon and then we walk straight on down to Macy's Herald Square. Really? Yeah, but I do it in heels, Al, not so much. <laughs> you do the whole thing in heels? I do the whole thing in heels. I start at 5 a.m. in heels and go to about 3 or 4. It's painful. Yeah. Nope, that is yeah. not painful. That is a hero. Oh, very good, very good. The balloons change a lot. They as, do. And what, what are your favorite new ones? You know, every year we have new balloons. Every year we have four or five new ones. We've got a bunch of new floats. But when we have new characters enter the parade, like Red from Angry Birds, I get very happy. Oh, yeah. Uh, Scrat from Ice Age will be joining the parade this year. So, yeah, and he's going to be chasing his acorn. He'll never get it, but he'll be chasing oh. it down the parade route. Uh, so I, I love seeing those new balloons come to life. That's great. And, and obviously the balloons uh, have changed over the years. Do you miss any retired ones? I do. You know, there are balloons that people believe are still flying in the parade. And in, <laughs> you know, in 1965, we're talking 50 years ago, uh, we had underdog in the parade. And it, truly, it's a classic, right? Truly, if you ask people now, they'll be like, underdog is my favorite balloon. And he's so not there. Oh, can we bring him back? I would love to bring him back. I'd love to bring Felix the Cat back. He was the first character balloon we ever had in the parade. Yeah. 1927. That was my first year. I feel great. Wow, yeah. <laughs> so you're about to help us with a game about the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, and our contestant is actually on the line. Hello, you're on Ask Me Another. Hi, I'm Francesca DeMuse. I'm calling in from Cape May, New Jersey. Yes, nice so to nice. meet you. <laughs> Hi. Uh, Francesca, can I call you Fran? You can call me Fran. Is that okay? <laughs> uh, who would you like to see as the Grand Marshal of a Macy's parade? I think Ellen would be a good Grand Marshal. Amy would like that very much. Make a phone call, please. <laughs> yeah, she just asked I, that. Well, I'll dial her right now. <laughs> yeah, just right after you get off the phone with us. Just let, let her know. So, Fran, we're going to ask you a few questions about the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, and Amy will tell us if you're right or wrong, and if you get enough right, you will win an Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube. Okay, so here we go. Over okay. 1,500 people volunteer each year to be a balloon handler and walk these wonderful balloons down the parade route, which is a requirement of the job. Either A, you must be over five feet tall, B, you must weigh at least 125 pounds, or C, you must be a high school graduate. Uh, B, the B, weight requirement. The weight requirement. Amy? She is absolutely right. Oh, yes. yeah. <laughs> Fran, how much do you weigh? Could um, you do it? I weigh 140 pounds, I think. I don't awesome. know. So I could do it. You got it. You're in. There was just a lot of honesty that I wasn't yeah, anticipating. I'm not clear I would have answered that correctly. <laughs> I think that's amazing. When the parade first started with helium balloons, we used to let the balloons go. And we used to get oh, the helium no. balloons down to Herald Square, and we simply would let them go. <sighs> and they would have a tag at the uh, bottom of each balloon, and if you found it in your backyard and brought that tag to Macy's, you'd get a, you'd get a special gift from Macy's. What? Why do we not still do this? It sounds so surreal. The <laughs> advent of small aircraft has prevented us from continuing <laughs> that tradition. Can you imagine somebody who's like on a cross-country flight in L.A. is like, I've got the tag. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Fran, what cartoon character will make its 39th appearance in the parade this year as a balloon more than any character? Is it A, Mickey Mouse, B, Snoopy, or C, Superman? Mm. It has to be Snoopy, right? Is it Snoopy? It... <laughs> <laughs> It has to be Snoopy because it's Snoopy. I yeah. think that's, yes. I'd have to say yes to that. That's so bad. I love Snoopy. All right, this is your final question. 600 tension lines help shape what animated character's balloon to help him look square. 
Is it SpongeBob? SpongeBob? SpongeBob SquarePants? SpongeBob SquarePants. You know, the, the thing about balloons and helium balloons um, is basically they want to be round. Sure, they're balloons, right? Yeah, most balloons are in fact round. And when you want to create a square balloon, not easy. Not easy. And all those lines in, in the balloon help it keep its shape. And it 600. is. 600. Yeah. Wow. If you opened it up, uh, you would be deeply frightened. It's, oh. Um, oh. Uh, it's, it's the worst spider web that you could ever imagine. And um, when you look inside, it is truly a massive web of lines going back and forth from corner to corner in order to uh, keep that square shape. And then you've got his appendages just kind of flipping off to the side. So that is the most intricate one uh, within the parade. Uh, that and Thomas the Tank Engine were, were very, very difficult engineering feats. Oh, yeah, because that has lots of, lot uh, of squares. squares. Yes. Many shapes, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Many shapes? <laughs> Fran, well done. Yes. Fran Thank rocked you. it. Yeah, you did amazing. Thank you. You win and ask me another Rubik's Cube. Thank you so much for playing. And thanks, thanks for, for the amazing facts, all kinds of things I did not know and am fascinated by, by the executive producer, our Meet the Expert of the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, Amy Kuehl. Thank you very much. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Coming up, we'll find out what shocks Peter Sarsgaard, and then we'll see if he can earn all those A's in his name. So stay tuned. This is Ask Me Another from NPR. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Bleecker Street, presenting Trumbo. Who was Dalton Trumbo? To some, he was the Academy Award-winning writer who authored the novel Johnny Got His Gun and the screenplays for Spartacus and Roman Holiday. To others, he was a dangerous subversive who was blacklisted by Hollywood for his political beliefs. Starring Brian Cranston as Dalton Trumbo, and also featuring Louis C.K., Elle Fanning, John Goodman, Diane Lane, and Helen Mirren. Based on a true story, Trumbo. Now playing in select cities everywhere Thanksgiving. Support for Ask Me Another and the following message come from NatureBox.com. At NatureBox, they understand that your life is busy and there's not always time to get to the store. NatureBox makes it easy to start snacking smarter. Choose from over 100 tasty options like sriracha roasted cashews and French toast granola, or fill out your snack profile and get personalized recommendations delivered right to your door. Spend more time doing what you love and less time trying to find parking. Go to NatureBox.com to personalize your first box now. Welcome back to Ask Me Another, NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. I'm your host, Ophira Eisberg, and please welcome our VIP, the star of the film Experimenter, Peter Sarsgaard. You know, you seem like such a smiley, like, nice guy, and then I think of all the characters that I've enjoyed you like these roles you take on they're dark boys don't cry where a lot of people first gave you a lot of um, note or they were like that was a dark character i got more female attention for that role than i've ever gotten for any other role isn't that bizarre really yeah it's absolutely 100 percent true yeah i'm not getting any for experimenter (laughs) (laughs) yet yes yes yes. yeah so what is it about these dark characters that you are drawn to no i'm just not handsome enough to play the lead guy Um, it's true. It's true. Um, they're just more fun. I mean, everybody wants to be the guy in the black hat, you know? Look, in the 70s, you could be Elliot Gold and be a leading man, right? You know, and you could have flaws. You could lie to your wife as the character and still be a leading man. And these days, everybody's so cleaned up. Everybody's so polished that who wants to play that character anyway? Yeah, it's not of interest to you. You want the deeper character. Yeah, it's not like I'm getting offered the other one, but, you know. <laughs> this, is, this is what I tell myself. Yeah. 
So let's talk about the experimenter. You play Stanley Milgram, who conducted these psychological experiments in the 60s. So the test subject, which is one person, answers an ad. And uh, they come into a lab room. It's a very spare room. It's got a very intimidating-looking machine on it with a bunch of knobs. And there's a doctor in the room. And another person, who they think is also someone who's answered an ad, both the doctor and the other person are confederates with Stanley Milgram. They're actors. And uh, the doctor hands, puts his hands out, and he's got two pieces of paper, and he says, this is to determine who's going to be the teacher and who's going to be the learner. They both say teacher. So no matter which one the person chooses, they're going to be the teacher. The learner goes into the other room, and they both watch as the learner's hooked up to electrodes. The teacher gets to feel the shock, see that it's real goes back in the other room, he says you're going to ask these series of questions. When they get it wrong, give them this a zap. It goes all the way from low voltage all the way up to XXX danger. Very, very high voltage. A number of, of stops along the way. The shocks are not real, but the person thinks they're real. And the person in the other room has a pre-recorded tape of like, please, please stop screaming, and then in the end, silence. And 65% of people went all the way to XXX danger. Yeah. And obviously you can't participate in this experiment, but I'm sure on set you all talked about how you would uh, fare right. if you were the person giving the electric shocks. And what do you think? I mean, I just have to think of the way that I deal with bad directors, you know. Um... <laughs> I, I think I would say the machine doesn't seem like it's working, um, that I don't feel very good, and stuff like that. <laughs> right. You know? I, think <laughs> yeah. I have the flu, I have to leave yeah, the experiment. Yeah, pret pretend to pass out. <laughs> okay. That would be my way. There was this French show called Le Jeu de Mort, The Game of Death. Mm. And the crowd was in on it, but the person on stage that was doing the electrocuting did not know that they were, it was fake. And the crowd egged the person on. This was done like in the 90s. And it was a very popular TV show where we got to watch someone panic. <laughs> yeah. And many of them went all the way. And that one, I think it was actually even higher because they were being egged on by a live studio audience. I think it was like 80% went all the way. You know what? Human beings are part bonobo monkey. Yep. Have sex for fun, matriarchal, live in trees, wonderful monkeys, part chimpanzee, torture other animals for fun. It's just who we are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just like, I think, 1% cockroach. So that's 1%. just me. That's just what, yeah. that's what I think. So as serious as the, as the subject matter that you just explained of the movie Experimenter, it is shot in a very surreal way. Your character, as Stanley, talks to the camera. You break the fourth wall. There is an elephant following you around. And of course, when I read Elephant in a script, I didn't know there'd be a real elephant. Yeah. We had a fake room and a real elephant. I mean, my God. <laughs> um, <laughs> so It's an interesting budget choice, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> and actually, when I started singing at one point, Some Enchanted Evening, I'd never looked back at the elephant. It was like a trust exercise. He's walking behind me and I'm walking. I, the trunk came around like this, like a microphone, <laughs> right in front of my mouth. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, now, we've talked a lot about your acting career, but you also work five hours a month at a Brooklyn grocery co-op. <laughs> <laughs> and you really enjoy it. Uh, yeah, you know why I have to work five hours a month. Why? He says, my wife won't do her shift. <laughs> Good yeah. man. Good yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I like the best job there, for any of you working there, is to work in the dairy section behind that glass thing there. Yeah. You put the headphones in. You're spying on other people, kind of, through putting the milk cartons out. It's fantastic. Yeah, you're oh, looking so at me like I'm crazy. On, uh, yeah. one side of the It's like coolers. Stanley Milgram looking through the, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I get to watch human behavior. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. All right, Peter, are you up for an Ask Me Another Challenge? I'm so terrified. No, you don't be terrified. <laughs> Give Peter Sarsgaard a huge round of applause for being here at VIP. All right, let's bring back our special puzzle guru, Cecil Baldwin. 
So this game is called A Day in the Life of Peter Sarsgaard. Ah, oh, should be easy enough. Uh, <laughs> we are lucky to have you to play it, actually. <laughs> so we've been trying this with all kinds of other people. Failed! <laughs> So, Peter, our questions will tell the story of a slightly fictitious story of a day from your life. And mm -hmm. from time to time, I will turn to you to fill in a missing word or phrase. Mm -hmm. And in honor of your name, with the rare double A combination, mm -hmm. all of the missing answers will have that double A. I don't think I can think of a single word that starts well, with double A. Well, get ready. Yeah. All right. If you get enough right, Victoria Lugo of La Palma, California, will receive a special Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube. And if you get the questions wrong, we are going to shock you. <laughs> with the buzzer. So the stakes are high. Mm. All right, the alarm clock buzzes, and Peter jumps out of bed to grab his favorite breakfast from the freezer. An entire pint of vanilla Swiss almond ice cream made by this company with the fake Danish name. Uh, Hagen Dazs. Yeah. Uh, Peter heads to the park to relax under a tree, and an apple hits his head, and Peter thinks, "Great, it's another vampire hater who thinks I'm Alexander Skarsgård." <laughs> but wait, it actually fell from this tree above. I've discovered gravity. Peter cries, uh, "I'm just as smart as that great mathematician and physicist, Sir Isaac Newton." Yeah. yeah. Okay. This is a lot easier than I thought it would be. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, do people ever call you Alexander Skarsgård? You know what? Um, he and I had breakfast about 20 years ago, and we, at that time, thought we might pretend that we were related, but didn't work out. You know, it's more believable that I'm John Malkovich's son, I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Settling for a picnic, Peter notices his basket is swarming with ants. Perhaps I can help you, he hears. And he turns to find an ant-eating, long-eared, long-tongued animal. An aardvark. An aardvark is correct. Really easy. Yeah. <laughs> Too easy? Yeah, make it harder. Come make on. it harder? Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Well, the aardvark does his best, but, you know, the picnic is ruined. Mm -hmm. So, Peter and the aardvark decide to grab a bite at an Indian restaurant. And the aardvark orders sog paneer, and non. Peter gets <laughs> some naan. I like it when people walk in scared and then they find their confidence. You know, this is, it's like the story of my life. <laughs> you know. Me, first day of movie set, I'm like quitting acting. You know, it's, it's, I'm done. When I did Hamlet, I actually left the theater. They had to come and bring me back. But then two performances in, they can't get me off the stage. Really? Do you have stage fright? Oh, like horrible. What? Horrible, horrible, yeah. horrible. You know, and the worst part is the first thing to go is my voice. Because that's what you need the most. Yeah, so you have to breathe in order to speak. And if you're not breathing, you're not speaking. So, yeah, what I usually do is just walk out and take a second and look around and, you know, look at the way the building's made, look at the fact that I'm standing, and that's a miracle, because not very, animals, very many animals stand like this. Um. <laughs> just you and uh, chimpanzees yeah, that have something to just, lean on. Exactly. <laughs> All right, well, let's see if you know this one. Okay. After dinner, Peter turns on the television to find one of his favorite movies, The Godfather. Peter starts crying, watching the scene where Michael Corleone's brother, Sonny, gets ambushed at a toll booth. Sonny is, of course, played by the actor. Oh, uh, um... Ah, uh, right. Right. <laughs> it's been a long time. Um, Stop it. Con. Uh, yes. Yeah, James Conn. James Conn. There Kahn. you go. Took me half a beat. Give me a break. Come on now. <laughs> Peter changes channels, and the action film White House Down is on, and Peter <laughs> thinks, hey, who is that uncontrollably talented and unbelievably beautiful actress? Wait, that's my wife. Uh... <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> Maggie Gyllenhaal. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right, 
You did great. Congratulations. You and Victoria Lugo win an Ask Me Other Rubik's Cube. Let's hear it for our VIP, Peter Sarsgaard. Now we are going to crown this week's grand champion. Let's bring back Tatiana, Tim, Nicholas, and Ben. They'll be playing our Ask Me One More final round, and Cecil Baldwin will be leading this round, entitled Letter Rip. In this round, all the answers will have some part of it that sounds like a letter of the alphabet, though it may actually be a few letters that make up that sound. For example, if I said, it's a type of song commonly heard on sailing vessels, often accompanied by an accordion, the answer would be a sea shanty. So a sea shanty, yes? We're playing this spelling bee style. So one wrong answer and you're out. And you'll only have a few seconds to give us an answer. Last person standing is our Ask Me Another grand winner. And for your prize, you will receive a bag of locally grown and picked apples. Now, we wanted to get some fruit from Peter Sarsgaard Co-op. <laughs> but apparently we're not allowed to have food from his co-op unless you actually work for the co-op. But Peter has autographed a few of the apples for us. <laughs> Here we go. Tatiana. It's correspondence initiated and retrieved on a computer device. Email? Yes. <laughs> Tim. His daughter, Blue Ivy, should know that his name sounds like two letters of the alphabet. Three seconds. Jay-Z. Yes. Nick. Wolverine, Cyclops, and Storm are all members of this Marvel superhero group. X-Men. Correct. Ben. It's a popular children's store with Jeffrey the Giraffe as its mascot. Toys R Us. Yes. Tatiana. Known as the Tin Lizzie, this car was the first to benefit from Henry Ford's advancements in assembly line manufacturing. The Model T? Absolutely. <laughs> Tim. This song from Ed Sheeran's debut album was nominated for Song of the Year at the 2013 Grammy Awards. 18. Correct. Nick, first line and title of a Walt Whitman poem memorably recited in Dead Poets Society. Oh, Captain, my Captain. Absolutely. <laughs> ben, this 90s house music group's most famous single was Groove is in the Heart. D. White. Correct. Tatiana, this Southern California fast food chain has a secret menu, including their animal-style beef patties. In-N-Out Burger? Absolutely. <laughs> Tim, the theme of this classic TV sitcom began with the words, the end of the Civil War was near when quite accidentally... In living color. A apostrophe N. That's a, that's a very good guess. So step to the side one second. Nick. Okay, Nick. All right, step to the side. And Ben, if you can answer this. F Troop? That is correct. So Nick and Tim, unfortunately, we have to say goodbye to you. Thank you so much for playing. Next question for Tatiana. This Australian supermodel from the 1980s appeared on the cover of Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Issue five times. Elle McPherson. Correct. <laughs> All right, we're going to go to a tiebreaker here. So if you'd like to pick up the buzzers, first one to buzz in with a correct answer. This actor is known for his catchphrase, I pity the fool. Ben? 
Mr. T. That is correct. Ben, you are the winner here on Ask Me Another. That's our show. Thank you so much for playing. Check out our podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. And you can find us on Facebook or Twitter. Just look for NPR Ask Me Another and come see us live. Go to amatickets.org. Ask Me Another's puzzle guru is Cecil Baldwin. Hey, my name anagrams to Blind Ice Claw. Our house musician is Julian Villard. Naive Dull Jar. Our senior supervising producer is Art Chung, with additional puzzle writing by Eric Feinstein, Adam Markowitz, Jim Newman, and senior writers Karen Lurie and Dan Schofield. Ask Me Other is produced by Denny Shin, Lena Mazitsis, Mike Katziff, and our intern Julia Melfi, along with Anya Grunman. We are recorded by Damon Whitmore, Dan Rosado, and Jeff O'Neill. Ask Me Another was created by Eric Newsom and Jesse Baker. We'd like to thank our home in Brooklyn, New York, The Bell House. Hot Heel Blues. And our production partner, WNYC. I'm her ripe begonias. Ophira Eisenberg. And this was Ask Me Another from NPR. Thank you for listening to Ask Me Another. NPR's brand new politics podcast is where NPR's political reporters talk to you the way they talk to each other. With weekly roundups, short takes on news, and reporting from every stop on the campaign trail, you don't have to keep up with politics to know what's happening this election year. You just have to keep up with them. Listen and subscribe to the NPR Politics Podcast at npr.org slash podcasts and on the NPR One app. On the next Ask Me Another, singer-songwriter Ingrid Michaelson tells us what it's like to hear her songs on TV. Well, it's strange yeah. to hear yourself behind somebody who's like, you know, having open heart surgery or something. <laughs> or like a diaper commercial. <laughs> Call me Pampers. From MySpace musician to bonafide pop star, join Ingrid and me, Ophira Eisenberg, on NPR's guiltiest and most puzzling pleasure. <laughs>